1: Teresa Rowe. To find out more about Shape by Faith and Teresa Rowe, please visit ShapedByFaith.com or visit the YouTube channel, Facebook, or Instagram. And now, here is Teresa Rowe. Welcome to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. I'm so excited about my guest today. Her name is Becky Rogers. She's a wife, a mom, a teacher, podcaster, blogger, and author of Not Quite Super Moms of the Bible. Becky is very involved with her church where she serves on the worship team and she leads a Bible study group for moms. Her next book is called As Yourself and Empathetic Command will be released soon. And welcome to Shape by Faith, Becky. Thank you so much for having me. I
2: really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Don't you love technology how God can connect us, you know, and it's really uh, cool. It it is. That's a that's a plus with technology. I do believe God uses it yes. for his glory and for our good. Okay, so I always want my listeners to know you know, who I'm talking with and what their story is. So why don't you give us a glimpse into your childhood, like where you grew up and and what it was like having your dad serving in the role as an assistant pastor?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Maine and I grew up in a really small town in a small community. And um, when my dad became an assistant pastor at our church, I basically started to live at church. That's, it's, it's not quite an exaggeration because more of my waking hours were spent at church than at home really. Um, but I loved it and I was saturated with Jesus. And, um, for me as a child, that kind of I began to model, as children do. I began to model what I saw. I I started when I saw, you know, people in church um, speaking and sharing and leading kids ministries. I, I started that kind of stuff at home. So in my neighborhood, I started a Bible club at at school. I started a prayer group during our lunch period, and um, I just loved that. I was very protected and sheltered and I, I saw a lot of the good in, in church. And, um, like I said, I was just saturated with Jesus that way.
1: I love that. You know, Becky, I, I've spoken with people that, um, their dad is an assistant pastor or pastor, you know, as they are growing up. And I've never heard anyone say that they started a Bible club and that they, <laughs> You know, seriously, I mean, that's pretty awesome that you actually use your faith and act, you know, put it to action.
2: I didn't even know all the answers, you know. As, <laughs> I was a kid; I was learning and growing myself. But I just wanted to do what I saw people doing around me. If, if they were serving Jesus, I wanted to serve Jesus too.
1: That's awesome! You're a go getter. You have to be. You, yeah. know, you
2: didn't just sit yeah. back. So you're yeah. like, I'm
1: going to do this. I'm going to be a leader. I don't know if you were thinking that, but obviously, you began your leadership role at a very young age, and. You know, God knows your story. He knows all of our stories and he's always got specific things for each one of us to do. And you just Mm -hmm. jumped on it. I mean, let's go.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, again, I didn't even have all the answers. I just kind of, I, I just did what I saw um, people doing around me to serve Jesus. That's right.
1: And who has the answers? I mean, I don't have all the answers as an adult.
2: It's like... I know. It's true.
1: It's true. Yeah. And I think about, you know, we're supposed to come to God like a child, just with that Mm childlike faith. I think adulting sometimes gets in the way. I think we... Sure. Absolutely. analyze everything. But yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So how did your faith and your relationship with Christ change as you reached adulthood?
2: Well I like to think that I grew up with Jesus. I and not just that I, you know, modeled what others were doing but as I grew and matured even as um a teenager into adulthood my faith kind of grew and developed and I think that's where a lot of times we we kind of stall out is we we think that we have to believe the same way we always did uh, about God and about our faith but the truth is as we grow and as we get to learn and know him more, um, he stays the same, but my perspective on him has changed. And that's why I like to say that I just kind of grew up with him. Like mm-hmm. I grew up learning and growing and changing my mind about things I used to think and as I got to know him more.
1: So this is a very simple question, Becky, but I like really simple questions. Okay. So what are some things you did that helped develop your faith, you know, into a deeper walk with Christ?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the thing is, there was a summer I was working as a camp counselor. I was a teenager And I was far from home, and my parents had let me go, and I I had nothing. There was this time set aside where we were supposed to do our devotions, and I had never consistently done devotions like that before. But I had nothing else to do at the time, so I kind of just, it was like positive peer pressure, I guess. So I just started (laughs) to open up my Bible, and I started to read for myself, and I was, I was just stunned. I was like, it was different than having people teach me about him. Suddenly, I was reading it and learning about him for myself. I was learning him. I was getting to know him for myself because it was as if the scriptures on the page just kind of like jumped into my heart and applied to my life, even in that time. um, Like I said, it was the first time I'd been away that far away from home and I was just going through the same kind of things that teenagers go through. And I was just shocked to read. I was reading Psalms and Proverbs and I was just stunned to see some of the emotions I was feeling. The authors of psalms were feeling the exact same way and and that's when I started to really dig in and get to know God for myself. I started to write out my prayers. That's another practical thing that really helped me because I'd always heard people pray, and there's something about praying out loud that sometimes, at least in the circles where I grew up, it felt like they were maybe praying for other people to hear them, but mm. suddenly, on the page, I was praying. For his heart only. I was only praying these words. I was writing down these words for his eyes and for his ears basically. And so, and that changed. That's, that's what started to change. Then the things I heard in church and in chapel messages at school and other things actually applied to my heart for me personally and not just for my community and not just for my church.
1: You know, that makes so much sense, um, everything you just said, um, but writing out our prayers and writing God a letter. I, I remember years and years and years ago where I sat down with my laptop. I was actually in Florida. I was supposed to be on vacation. I couldn't settle down or you know, I couldn't <laughs> relax. and. I knew something was brewing. You, you, I just felt it. And I yes. got out my laptop and I, and I wrote dear God and I wrote him this entire letter. It was pretty long. And I went ahead and put, uh, um, at God dot yes. <laughs> I sent it into cyberspace, but you know, there oh, was something man. about that. There was something about releasing and writing yes. down that prayer and that letter. That's so personal. Um, yes. So I love that you brought that up. What about, okay, you said positive peer pressure. What about um, the group of people you hung out with as a teenager? Were they also Christians?
2: Um, a lot of them were, but I was realizing that there, there came a time where my friends either decided to chase after God or they didn't. Mm-hmm. And even though they were still, you know, coming to church with their parents, going, I went to a small private Christian school and going to school and going to these classes, I learned that just from observing that there was a time when my friends were making these choices and they were deciding whether to follow him or not. And, and I had gone through some of that inner tor- turmoil as well. Just do I, do I go with these friends who you know are not really chasing after Jesus but they are definitely my friends and they are definitely having fun or do i chase after his heart and do i continue on chasing after this experience of knowing him in a deeper way and um and it really wasn't until i mean that kind of that flip flopping as a teenager you're you're kind of figuring out who you are anyway you're right. and figuring out who you are in him is all part of at least for me it was all kind of tangled up in it and it took until probably my mid-20s before i was really like no i'm a jesus girl i'm Mm -hmm. i'm chasing after him and it really doesn't matter anymore it was like i could turn my back on the peer pressure or i i knew who i was more as a person too and that helped but um But I did have friends who were chasing after Jesus and I'm still friends with many of them today. Mm. And in fact, one of my friends just started a podcast herself and, and we just share stories of being teenagers together and, and we remember each other from the old days. Uh And, um, and it's so exciting to talk to each other now. And talk about the things that God is teaching us, even in our 30s and 40s. Oh, that is so awesome.
1: Yes. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with more Shaped by Faith. Everyone stay tuned. Welcome back to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. Becky Rogers, you are such a joy to interview. I love Thank your you. spunk, yes, and your joy. And um, we are going to get to your books eventually, but <laughs> I love everything you're saying. You know, teenagers need to hear this. Adults need to hear this. And I love what you said before we had to go to break. You knew who you were in Christ. And, you know, that's so important that we know who we are in Christ and that God loves us yeah. and that we don't have to try and please other people or be pressured into certain things because God's got our back, but it's a decision right. we have to make. I mean, no one can make that decision for us. So that's right. um, that's I love right. that when you said, you you know who you are in Christ and you right. know that by reading the word and, and making a decision. So... Yep. How are you raising your own children to build their own faith?
2: Yeah, so this is hard. And my kids are not completely raised yet. So I'm kind of still in the trenches with this. And I think with anything um, regarding our faith, it it takes a series of, hey, this doesn't seem to be working. I, I think I need to change my methods and God give me direction on how to raise these kids to see you. But I really believe, um, in not forcing the head knowledge, but really pointing towards the heart knowledge. And for, for me, what I've seen is that it's modeled behavior. When they Mm -hmm. see that he's real in my life, he, he can't help but be real in theirs. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, and when they see that I'm turning to him with, My decisions and my prayers and the stresses and worries of life and the things my husband and I are, you know, talking about for our future and everything else. When they see us making it about what does God want our family to do, then they're learning to that they can trust him with their futures. That's so
1: good. How old are they?
2: Uh, my son Asher is 14 and my daughter Riley is 10.
1: Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are years. I remember we, we have seven children. So I remember wow. the days. Yes. And our babies are twins and they're 31 oh, years wow. old, 31 right now. And it's like, I remember it. And, and it's exactly what you said. It's that model behavior. It may not be perfect behavior. And right you know sometimes they you know, they get to a stage, hopefully yours won't, where they, you know, mine some of mine, <laughs> not all, not all, were a little rebellious and hard headed and strong willed and I was the same way as a kid. But mm-hmm. it's that modeled behavior and it's it's let's ask God what you know, I remember, you know, a few of my kids would roll their eyes as teenagers. Right. Like, oh right. yeah mom. I'm like, you know, right. but they saw us, and now I can tell you as grown adults, uh, one of the twins that gave us a run for our money He is the sweetest. His heart is so softened towards Mm -hmm. Jesus, and he thanks us. He thanks us now. Now in his thirties, he's like, mom, thank you so much for doing that and, and putting up with me, but Thanks. also pointing us to Jesus. So keep it up. Okay. Parents, Yeah, keep it up. And those yeah. grandparents out there that are raising their grandchildren, you know, yeah, there's grand true. grandparents out there. Okay. So tell us about your devotional and why you wrote, and I love the title, not quite super moms of the Bible.
2: Yeah, so, um, their stories are real. And, and, it, and it struck me one day when I was reading in Hebrews about the cloud of witnesses. And I realized that every single mom noted in scripture is in that crowd of witnesses cheering us on. Their stories of faith were real. Their lived experiences, were good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so many of them saw their prayers answered, they saw their faith become sight and and I realized that we don't tell their stories very much, at least from the perspective of motherhood. Mm-hmm. We tell their stories in you know, hey, Deborah was a leader and and you know Ruth was a Moabitess who converted and all of this, but we never talk about the fact that they were actually moms too, and how that is so heavy and and it's relatable to our lives.
1: I love that, that. yeah. Yes, that is. You know, that's a great reminder. Uh, so many of those women were moms, and yeah, and you know, they what they went through and how they continued to follow God. That's that's great. So, what do you want your readers to take away from your devotional?
2: I just want them to remember that um, when we pray for miracles in our in our lives and in the lives of our children in our in our families. That we're not alone, that these women have gone before us. And like I said, they stand as a testament now to a life of faith and what that looks like. And we can learn from their faith journeys Mm -hmm. in Scripture.
1: That's good. What is your mission in writing? Like, why do you write, Becky? I mean, there's so many other things you could be doing. (laughs)
2: Why do you write? (laughs) Well, I like to think critically. I've been an English teacher for a long time and high school English teacher, and I really like to think critically about the stories we read and, and, um, and what the universal truths that are involved in literature. And I like to take that to my readers as well. I like to challenge them to think critically about their world, their faith and their lives in light of scripture. That's Mm -hmm. my mission.
1: Mm -hmm. That's good. So you say that we should be reading scripture. That makes sense. Like an English teacher, can you explain, band on that? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah.
2: So um, there's um, there's a website, I think it's called Cult of Pedagogy, and they talk about a method that I used in my English classes. It's called the TQE method, and it stands for Thoughts questions and epiphanies, and I like to take that to my Bible reading as well. So in the margin, as I'm studying and reading scripture for myself and my own personal devotions, I like to to jot down thoughts I'm having, whether it be about the the characters I'm reading or about what Jesus is saying, I, I write down any thoughts I'm having. It's just kind of like a brain dump in in the margins of scripture. And then when I have a question, I'm doing the same thing. I'm jotting down, even if it means I'm having to look something up later in another scripture or whatever it is, I like to write down, why why did he say it this way? Because then when I go back and look at it later, I might come back with More knowledge or more understanding of the text as I grow in my faith and as I grow in my learning. Um, and then I jot down epiphanies I have. I, I never thought about that this way, or maybe it's a translation that I hadn't read before, or whatever it is, and it sticks out to me. And I keep all these notes, um, not only for maybe my kids will read it later, who knows, (laughs) but also, (laughs) but also for myself, because then I, I can go back through and kind of see my thought process on the page as I'm reading.
1: That is so true. Um, you know, I, I've had several Bibles throughout the years and you know how you highlight them up and you're like, that's the yes. picture. And then you write out, I'm like, it's my Bible. It's okay to write in it. You know, yes. and I'll go yes. back through, I'll flip through and I'll say, huh, cause I, sometimes I'll write a date. Like when I had yes. that thought like, okay, 2016, I'm like, wow, you know, looking back right. at now what God has done, I think that's so important for us to do. And it reminds yes. us of God's faithfulness and how yes, he's absolutely. brought us through and, and, you know, revelation, um, you know, yeah. what he brings to our mind. Okay. We've got about a minute left, but explain what it means to live like a sparrow.
2: So earlier this summer, I was studying Matthew and just going through some things in our lives as a family, and I, I kept seeing the continual references to sparrows when Jesus is talking about them. He's using them in comparison, almost like an object lesson, and I just couldn't shake the truth that um the comparison, uh, his comparison of sparrows to us and how they have to trust their creator for everything and I realized that I needed to live more like a sparrow, that every single day just the worms, I like to say, the worms I need for today um, and not worry about the worms for tomorrow or anything else and to also especially find my worth in him because like he said the sparrows were worth so much more than sparrows so yes. I wrote a free devotional series about that, and they can find it on my website and it's downloadable. All of that great stuff. So um, okay. that's where that came from.
1: All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Becky Rogers. Everyone, stay tuned.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Welcome back to Shape by Faith. Becky, what inspired you to write your new book, As Yourself, an Empathetic Command?
2: Well, I had been observing that so many believers around me and myself included, I mean, this is definitely, um, a convicting book to be writing, but we struggle with empathy. We struggle to put ourselves in another person's shoes. And I was reading through the gospels and finding that Jesus really kept repeating that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. And, and i All my life I'd heard, you know, you're supposed to love God and love your neighbors, but that has yourself phrasing kind of threw me off for a minute. And I thought, you know, we don't put very much emphasis on that, but that's really the definition of empathy is to put ourselves in another person's place and try to see the world from their perspective. And, and we struggle with that, especially during the pandemic in the, um, in the, Divided culture that we kind of live in right now to put ourselves in another person's shoes can be a struggle. And that's kind of where that book came from is just God put it on my heart to write about that.
1: That is so good. So what, what are some of your, um, chapter topics about?
2: Yeah. So, um, it, some of them are, I, I talk a lot about the good Samaritan. In fact, I reference that, that parable throughout the book, how he didn't take any thought to his own comfort, his own finances, his own safety even, and he put the other person, the person who is obviously in need, um, a person that he may not have even associated with him had they been in their rightful state. And he took care of them and he, he even made provisions to take care of them after he had to leave. He left the guy basically with, I think I call it like his credit card or something in my, mm-hmm. in my book. And he basically said, hey, whatever you need. And, and that's the other thing I mentioned in the book. I, I say it's kind of like he put him in his brand new BMW because he let him have the, the ride and he walked alongside. He didn't even, you know, he didn't put himself first at all in that situation. And I just feel like that's really what in fact Jesus told that parable as an answer to the Pharisees' question of who is my neighbor and they were trying to qualify, they were trying to trap him, but um but Jesus told this beautiful story and and I just feel like it very much exemplifies what it means to truly love our neighbors as ourselves.
1: That's so you know that is so true. it, it is hard yeah. to have empathy at times when maybe we have it a certain way and that other person doesn't and you can't imagine that until one day, you know, you may find yourself right. in those shoes as well. You know what I've always thought when I've read the good Samaritan and this comes to me is the, the smell, like his smell and yes. maybe his stench and, 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 but this, this good Samaritan, it, that did not matter to him. And I think of Jesus, how, you know, he would go up to lepers and, and just not even worry about how they looked or how, how they smelled. Right. And he would just love them right where they're at. And that is such a good example of how we're supposed to be and God help us to be like that Yeah. you know help yeah. our own hearts um, because I think people have gotten maybe since the pandemic maybe a little into themselves or maybe sheltered or maybe right. paranoid or bitter and you know God help us help us Lord right. to have a heart like yours Um, does writing right. come easy to you and when do you set the time aside to write especially with kids
2: yeah so when I'm inspired sometimes hours can pass before I realize how long I've been writing. Um, but it's just like anything else. I hit writer's block sometimes. And in the busyness, I homeschool my children and teach at their co-op and all of the things. It can be something where I absolutely have to set aside time. And, um, recently I just, I basically said, I have to go to a coffee shop and my husband was like, just go, you know? And so I took a few hours and, and sometimes that's what I have to do. I just have to block off the time and pray that God will inspire me when I have the time in front of me to do it. <laughs> well,
1: that's, and he will, because he He knows what you're yes. going to write. So tell yes. us about your blog, what it's about and where we can find all of your information.
2: Yeah, so I just share thoughts that God puts in my heart. Sometimes they are, sometimes um, they're a little bit expanded from social media posts I might write or whatever. But um, they're just random. I do write about my books that I have written and share. They can find me at Becky Rogers Author, all one word at dot wordpress dot com. Okay. And then I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Becky Rogers, comma author is my name there.
1: Okay. With under a minute to go, what what is next for you?
2: So I'm actually pursuing um, a, a master's degree at seminary right now. So wow. that also takes up a lot of my time and, but it's, it's been amazing. I've had a lot of challenges to former ways of thinking and it's growing my faith and challenging me to seek him more in the ways that I thought and change my mind about things. And it's, it's amazing. I love it so far.
1: Becky, we could go on and on. We're, we're just going to have to get on the radio more often. Okay. We're going to have yes. to touch base <laughs> and you can share your thoughts. I'll share my thoughts, but thank you so much for being a guest today on Shape by Faith.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. And thank everyone out there listening. I'm Teresa Rowe. Have a blessed day.
0: Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit shapebyfaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more. From the Cabinet Doors and More Studio. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.